Auto insurance can all seem the same until it comes time to use it. So don't get stuck paying more for less coverage. Switch to USA Auto Insurance and you could start saving money in no time. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. But that's enough of me uh, spieling on here. Let's kick it over to our interview with Matt Zinich of On3 Sports. Well, we're pleased now to be joined by Matt Zinich, the senior national college football reporter for On3 Sports. And you got to give him a follow if you're not already at MZinich on the Twitters. Matt, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you. And it's no problem at all. I appreciate you having me. You know, it's kind of a running joke between uh, us and the media landscape, but, uh, man, you are all over just any and all transfer portal news. It seems like whenever there's, whether it's the SEC or just all around college football, you are one of the main ones breaking that news. So it's kind of interesting that you kind of jumped into the portal yourself there with On3 Sports and <laughs> teaming up with Shannon yeah. Terry. Can can you give us some insight on what exactly are you going to be doing this year with On3 Sports and and your decision to, to make that jump? Yeah, so I had spent the last six years at AO.com. Uh, it was a great situation there. Uh, some of my closest friends in this world have worked with me at AO.com. And it, it was a situation where it was just kind of a, the mindset that it would take something really significant for me to seriously entertain leaving. And that's how I view On3. So Shannon I obviously has the, the track record that he does in this industry and has established himself as essentially a King Midas type figure where it seems like everything that Shannon touches uh, turns, turns to gold and just really excited about the, the plan that he has in place for uh, on three. And for, for me, um, obviously have focused a lot on the SEC throughout my time at AO.com and we'll continue to focus a lot on the SEC moving forward. But at the same time, it'll give me the flexibility to branch out and cover some more even outside of that, even though I, a lot of focus for me will still be paid on what's going on within the Southeastern Conference. Now, are you guys going to be doing any podcasts over there or is that kind of TBD at, at this point? Uh, TBD, you took the words out of out of my mouth. So it's come up a, a little bit in conversations to this point, but I've not heard anything definitive as of yet. If I had to guess, I would think there will be things from that perspective, but I have not heard anything definitive as of yet. I, I just know that the, the focus for, for Shannon, I, other people from leadership perspective, is just helping to put us in a position where can can lead the way in terms of just interesting coverage from a college football standpoint, college basketball standpoint, re- recruiting, just things around the, the college football, college basketball, overall college sports world. And do we have a launch date for that site? I know it's in August, but uh, August. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I believe the the site goes live August 1st, I believe. Okay. Well, definitely we'll have an eye out on that, but uh, you know, speaking of the transfer portal, I figured you'd be the perfect guy to ask, you know, just maybe just in your opinion or from talking to to coaches like I know you do. Are there any transfer portal players that uh, stand out to you that are most impactful? And I'm specifically thinking of guys that have transferred into the SEC or or may have already been in the SEC and now at a new SEC school. Mm -hmm. It's a good question. You're putting me on the spot with that one. So let let me think. In terms of guys transferring into the the conference, so I obviously Alabama landing Henry Toa Toa is a a huge get for for them. 
But one of the, the interesting ones outside of just some of the, the big name, household name guys, is someone like Jordan Strachan at, at South Carolina. So um, had a lot of success at the group of five level and went into the portal earlier this year seeking to get to a bigger program. And in him, South Carolina adds a guy who, I mean, from NFL perspective, and for me a little bit recently, been, been doing just uh, some digging from a NFL standpoint, getting a feel for just the, the preseason grades for guys, how, how they're viewed in terms of um, in the, the NFL scouting world and just trying to get a feel for who should be on the radar. And he's somebody who has come up as – uh, a, a guy who has a legitimate shot to be a top three round player and give South Carolina someone who they're, they're expecting to be really impactful from a, a pass rushing standpoint, just an overall, overall an impact player for them in the front seven. So that's somebody who definitely comes to mind. And then Missouri adds a couple of very good corners who were actually teammates at Tulsa and two guys who also were very much on the radar from an NFL standpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they needed those guys pretty badly, so I, it's hard to not see them making an impact right away. Now, yeah. at this time last year, you wrote a really interesting article uh, for your previous employer. It was called Anonymous Coach Survey, and you listed yeah. some of the uh, rising stars in, in the assistant world in the SEC. And one of the guys you mentioned, Charles Huff, has since been hired. He's, he's the new coach at Marshall, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Johnson was another one you listed. He's now working in the NFL. Are there any names that uh, stand out to you kind of in a similar similar role this year that uh, current assistants that are really on the rise in the SEC? So that's a great question. It's funny that you bring that up because I actually started the process yesterday of putting putting together something similar for one of my first projects with on three. So going through the process right now of doing so, some digging on that, where that, that project last year, I talked to different people in the coaching world, combination of head coaches, coordinators, people from an administrative perspective to, to get their feedback since that, their feedback carries a lot more weight than, than mine does just on guys that would, Warren or were deserving of just being mentioned in that kind of category. So that's something that I'll probably have a better feel on come a week from now compared to today. Um, but that that's definitely one of the, the first things that will be a project of mine for one three that looking to have ready to go for when we do launch in August. I know that's not necessarily the answer that you were looking for, but I, I should have a better feel on some of those names that should be on the radar for, for everyone for this year come next week compared to just where I am on that today. But, but actually I'll give you, I, I'll give you a couple. So, um, I mean, wait, one of the guys who was mentioned in there last year was John Sumrall mm -hmm. from Kentucky. So he, he's someone who even just in conversations the last couple of days is very highly thought of in the coaching world and will, will be on the radar probably for not only so, some big time DC jobs in the near future, but I mean, he's been in the mix for some head coaching jobs during, during the course of the, the last couple of cycles. And somebody who I, I don't know how much of a household name he is at, at this point in terms of casual fans, but, but somebody who will, I, I think, just based on the feedback I continue to get on him, be, become even more of a big name in the coaching world, even more so than he is right now. Just got a promotion at Kentucky, bumped up to, to co-DC there underneath another guy, Brad White, who... 
I, I'm not sure how much of a household name he is at this point, but somebody who has already been on the radar for so, some big jobs during the course of the last couple of years, including this past cycle, and just part of a, a staff with those two guys at Kentucky that in the coaching world is viewed as just a, a very, very respected staff that they have there underneath Mark Stoops. Yeah, so you may have just already answered that, but I was going to ask you next, uh, are there any SEC coordinators that you see that if they have a bit, you know, their units have a big year on the field this year that uh, could be jumping to that head coaching role and maybe Brad White among them, but uh, any others jump out to your mind? Yeah, there, there should be a couple. Um, Brad White has an interesting background where he worked in the, the NFL for a little while. wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if he was ultimately a guy that got, got a chance at the, the next level to go back there, but could also see him being somebody on the radar for not only some big or, or bigger D.C. jobs, but also maybe getting a chance as a head coach. Some role would fall in that category also. I'm trying to, to think around the, the conference while avoiding just obvious guys I mean, Pete Golding's one where if Billy Napier had, had left Louisiana to take one of the jobs that he was in the mix for, um, people in the coaching world thought that Pete Golding would be uh, maybe one of the favorites there to replace him at Louisiana. So I think especially with just the, the expectations that people internally have at Alabama for the defense this year, that Pete Golding will probably continue to – be talked about as a, a head coaching candidate. I, I would think that this coming cycle, as long as they have the kind of year that people at Alabama think that they're going to have, that he'll be in line to potentially get a shot. Mike Elko at A&M's uh, another one was one of the, the finalists, was in the, the final group of four for the Kansas head coaching job before ultimately deciding to, to stay at A&M. Um, he, he's another one, especially with just the, the talent that they have defensively at A&M this year, that probably continue to emerge even more and be talked about as uh, somebody deserving of being on the radar for head coaching opportunities. Now, I really wanted to ask you this. Maybe I'm off base, but it certainly seems like a lot of assistant coaches eager to jump to the NFL. We've seen a couple this offseason mm -hmm. get hired in the SEC and then a couple weeks, couple months later, they get NFL opportunities. They leave, you know, a, a job they just got. So uh, is just working in the NFL a lot more attractive, would you say, to most assistant coaches? Or yeah. or am I off base there? So there, there's a natural appeal that, that comes along with just working at the NFL level. I mean, it's the, the highest level of, of, of football, I obviously. And I – I think it's pretty understandable just the appeal that, that comes along with that and coaching at the, the highest level possible to go along with that. If you talk to guys who have background coaching, both at the, the college level and the NFL level, one of the things that will consistently come up that they like a lot about working in the NFL is just the elimination of having to deal with things from a recruiting standpoint. And you, you can just focus on straight ball straight football more at that level compared to what you're able to do in college where you essentially have a second job in terms of having to deal with recruiting. Mm -hmm. And I, obviously you're going to be very busy coaching at that level also, but there, there's a little bit more time to have a life outside of football compared to what you can have in college because of the responsibilities that come along with recruiting. So the combination of those two things, just having a little bit more 
downtime, time to be able to spend with your family and things like that um, to go along with just eliminating recruiting and the responsibilities that come along with that and just being able to focus just solely on, on ball, that those are a couple of things that, that come up in terms of the appeal when it comes to NFL jobs compared to college. But at the same time, uh, I think regardless of which field you're in, money obviously a very important thing. And I think you'd be surprised just um, – some of the the money figures uh, and how they compare in terms of college jobs compared to NFL and guys, uh, if you're able to get to a premier place in college, you can make more money than which you which you can make at the the, the college level, which makes it worthwhile um, for for a lot of coaches out there in terms of dealing with some of those additional responsibilities that you have to deal with in college. What was your reaction when you heard Ed Orgeron admit that uh, some of the assistants he hired last year, that I guess he never really interviewed them face-to-face? And and do you think he kind of got it right this time with uh, Deronta Jones and, and Jake Peets as his coordinators? Yeah. So, so Jake Peets is a, a highly thought-of guy, obviously has a, a background, both college and, and NFL, uh, has history working at Alabama a couple different times. And somebody who obviously got an endorsement from somebody who whose opinion carries weight in LSU building in terms of, of Joe Brady. Um, but just to go back a little bit further for him, if Josh McDaniels had taken, I want to say it was the Colts job a couple of years ago, Josh thought highly enough of Jake Peets at that point that Jake would have been his offensive coordinator then. So he is not an unknown by any means in the coaching world and somebody who has established a good reputation for himself. Durante Jones, I obviously it was a, an interesting process with LSU finding their, their DC and hey, had missed on some guys that they were targeting for that spot, including Marcus Freeman, who ultimately chose Notre Dame over LSU. But with, with Durante, they, they feel like they got um, somebody who's going to help them take a step forward defensively. Unfortunately for, for him, um, I mean, regardless of how great you are, in terms of defensive mind or as a defense coordinator, it's always very important, obviously, to, to have talent to work with. And that's something that LSU will definitely have defensively this year, which will help him as a first-time D.C. What are your thoughts on Bill O'Brien working at Alabama? Do you think that will be a seamless transition from some Steve Sarkeesian? Because it, it certainly seems like they they are not very similar in my mind. <laughs> So there were some growing pains during the spring, which, I mean, is to be expected to a certain degree when not only are you changing offensive coordinators, but you're replacing, wait, what was it, three of the top five finishers in terms of the Heisman Trophy running, including the Heisman winner himself. I would say just factoring all of that in is to be expected a little bit that there would be some growing pains, but Hey, that's another one where I mentioned with Durante Jones. Fortunately, he has a, a lot of talent to work with. I would say the same thing about Bill O'Brien. And, and the good thing for him, even though they lose some of the, the the key core pieces from last year's Alabama offense, they are far from devoid of talent. So Bryce Young showed some flashes during the course of the spring that just served as further confirmation of why he was as highly ranked as he was coming out of high school, that they have a deep group of running backs with Brian Robinson as an established guy that they're optimistic about to, to go along with, with some younger players, including 
uh, Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, who have j- both shown some flashes behind the scenes. And, and when they've gotten, when they got some opportunities last year in reserve duty, um, and, and they're going to very much factor into that running back competition also, but a, a deep group that they feel good about. And then, hey, as some other guys like John Mechie, uh, Evan Neal, then uh, along the, the offensive line, guys that will be among the, the next crop for them in terms of probably early round NFL players. Do you think Texas A&M has the talent to win the SEC? Now, again, I'm not, I'm not asking you, you know, if you're picking them, but do you think they've got the pieces in place and I guess the coaching to go with it to, to have the team that can make that type of run? Texas A&M is going to be one of the more interesting teams on a national level this year. The biggest question for them is just what they're going to get out of quarterback position. But if they can get good, consistent play out of that position, they're going to be very, very dangerous, not only in the SEC, but on a, a national level. So I mentioned the NFL stuff earlier and just doing some digging recently to get a feel for just what the perception is of, of guys uh, going into this year from an NFL draft standpoint, who should be on my radar and, and things like that. There are a lot of guys on A&M who are very much on the NFL radar for the 2022 NFL draft. They are loaded with talent. It's largely just going to come down to what they get out of the quarterback position. But outside of the quarterback position, they're pretty well stocked, as I'm sure you know already. Which first-year head coach in the SEC do you think did the best job putting together a staff? Of course, we got new coaches at Auburn, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and South Carolina. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think all of the, those guys, it seems like, feel good uh, about the staffs that they were able to put together. I, I know Shane Beamer uh, dealt with some complications while going through that process that, that were kind of unforeseen in terms of having to replace some guys or fill some spots that it wasn't expecting to ultimately have to uh, fill or um, make a additional hires for. But all three programs right now, it seems like all three head coaches feel good about the, the staffs that they have in place. And I know from like Auburn perspective that um, Auburn was able to get some guys who very respected in the, the, the coaching world. So from a coordinator perspective, um, have Mike Bobo, Derek Mason, obviously uh, people in the, the SEC world are very much familiar with, and then has some rising star type figures like Zach Etheridge working with the DB group, who has been an important factor for them in, in terms of some of the guys that they've gotten from a recruiting standpoint, including transfer portal type guys. And it's just a, a nice mix for them in terms of guys that Brian Harson had pre-existing relationship with that he was comfortable with mixed in with coaches who have history with Auburn and also just with the SEC and specifically recruiting in the South. Um, so it, it was important going into the, the process for him to find that nice mixture. And I think he was ultimately able to accomplish that. All right. Last question for you, Matt. So, expectations sky high there in Athens uh, a lot of people talking you know SEC contenders college football playoff contenders but how much pressure is going to be on Kirby Smart if somehow he fails to win the SEC East because uh, you know I, I think Florida is a, is a dangerous team this year so 
could you just imagine the backlash there in Athens if uh, if Georgia does not win the East? <laughs> well, the, the thing that I can say about Georgia is it's completely understandable why they are viewed how they are going into the year in terms of being the, the clear favorite to, to win the, the SEC East. So one more time, I'll bring up the, the NFL stuff. Georgia is going to be one one of the teams in SEC that NFL scouts are going to be paying a, a lot of attention to. So with, with NFL scouting grades, there are two scouting services that NFL teams use, pay for. One is Blesto, the other one is National Football Scouting. With National Football Scouting, they only grade seniors. And if I remember correctly, with their grades, the senior that has the highest grade for them going into the year in terms of just the preseason grades is Adam Anderson at Georgia, who has a solid first-round grade from them. And it's not like that should be a huge surprise just considering what Adam's been able to do to this point at Georgia and just I think what people have seen from him from a talent pass rushing perspective. But he's far from the only guy who has a chance to be a top three-round player from Georgia. You have the Jordan Davises of the world who has a, a, a day-two type grade right now. You have Lewis Seen at safety who has a, a day-two grade from a, at least one of the, the scouting services um jt daniels obviously has a chance to, to be one of the top quarterbacks in college football this year and um for him regardless of, of how great you are from a, a talent perspective at the quarterback position it's always nice to have talent around you and that's something that will definitely be the case for him even with george pickens being out at this point george obviously had a couple running backs that would have been completely understandable if they had made the move to to turn pro and go to the next level out of after last year and both of those guys end up coming back to school and will help to give them what's probably going to be one of the, the best, if not the best, running back rooms overall in the country this year with the combination of guys like Zamir White, James Cook, and then uh, the Kendall Miltons of the world to, to go along with that. Hey, man, I'm sorry. I know I said last question, but you just made me think of something. You, you're talking so much NFL. Uh, how much buzz is uh, Matt Corral there at Ole Miss getting in NFL circles? Is he... You know, I don't want to say he's a slam dunk number one pick or anything, but it certainly seems like uh, he's trending in that direction with another big season. So, like, like I said, with the two scouting services, only one great senior is he. He is not a senior in terms of eligibility at this point, and haven't gotten a ton of feedback overall on him as of yet. But obviously, flashed a lot throughout the course of last year. Um, would have been understandable for him if he wanted to make the move to turn pro after last year. But if he follows up what was a, a, a great productive overall season for him last year with the kind of year that I think they're expecting him to have, he'll be able to establish himself even more as one of the top quarterbacks in, in this year's class. But the, the top group of guys from a quarterback perspective heading into the year, uh, trying to think of the, the names that have come up most at this point. So some of them will be outside the, the SEC, but like the Sam Howells of the world have come up a good amount in terms of having a chance to be first-round type player. Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati, interesting one. Um, Carson Strong in Nevada has a chance to be one of the, the top quarterbacks for next year, someone who's not really talked about a lot at this point, but gotten some really good feedback on him from NFL perspective. And then one of the, the other interesting ones to go along with like the JT Daniels of the world and Brock Purdy's and guys like that is somebody who isn't currently playing in the SEC but has SEC ties and Malik Willis at, at Liberty. So Malik obviously started off at Auburn, transfers to Liberty, and had a hell of a year last year. 
and has put himself in a position where he has a chance to to be an early round type player heading into the 2022 NFL draft. But part of just a, a very interesting overall quarterback room for Hugh Freeze now at Liberty, where it's full of guys with SEC ties. So you have Malik Willis, one of the top quarterback prospects for next year's draft, mixed in now with a quarterback who I know you're very familiar with in, in Caden Salter, who obviously was unfortunate how things played out for him at, at Tennessee. But d- despite some off-field issues there that led to his dismissal, uh, a, a kid who obviously has some talent, and if they can keep things in check with him off the field, uh, they, they have a chance to be set up pretty well moving forward there at Liberty with the combination of, once again, those two guys with SEC ties. Yeah, the vast majority of Tennessee fans I know are convinced Salter is going to win that Heisman now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. Matt Zinitz, senior national college football reporter for On3 Sports. Give him a follow at mzinitz on Twitter. Matt, thank you so, so much for uh, all the information. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. I appreciate you having me. All right, I told you guys, Matt did not disappoint with all the knowledge he dropped on this episode. Really appreciate him hopping on the line and you can find his Twitter handle in the show notes must follow. I mean, this guy's basically the Adam Schefter of the SEC, if not all of college football. I mean, that's probably his destiny one day. He's going to be the guy that replaces Adam Schefter because he's got so many connections. He's breaking so many stories in the SEC and college football. I cannot wait to see what they've got cooked up at On3 Sports this season, their debut season. They've hired the Ivan Mazel, one of my favorite college football writers, Chad Simmons, the uh, outstanding recruiting analyst, Nikki Chavanel, who covered Arkansas recruiting for a number of years. Now she's with them. Uh, they have just racked up all kinds of very talented people, and you got to have faith in Shannon Terry and what he's building over there. So, you know, check out every anything and everything that Matt puts out over at On3 Sports this fall. You know it's going to be some good stuff. That's all we got on this one. Hope you guys appreciated two pods, back-to-back days, two outstanding guests talking some SEC football as we inch closer to SEC Media Days. Don't forget that's going to be coming Monday through Thursday. That's going to be one hell of a time, and there's going to be so much information dropping. So looking forward to that. But, uh, hey, that's going to do it for this one. Appreciate everybody hanging out. And, of course, if, as always, if you've made it this far, you give us that five-star written review. That really helps the show out. For each and every one of those, we send you a beer koozie free of charge. But that's going to do it for this episode. Catch you on the next one.